21, verses 1 through 17. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did, and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying, they asked him? Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise? And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany, where he spent the night. And God bless the reading of and the hearing of his word. Good morning! Beautiful day today, huh? So, um, I hope that you'll be able to see today what I have. I was going to bring a projector, but I have all the cables. So, um, but I have this picture here. Anybody know what this is a picture of? A dog? It's a dog. Is it unusual in any way? It's made out of words, right? All these words. I don't know if you can read any of the words from there, but it says fuzzy, cute. Loving, cozy, warm, slick, stiff, wag, all kinds of words that make a dog a dog, right? Without these words, we have a dog. The picture might look a little bit more like this, right? All these words make a dog a dog. Pooches, they're all dogs, they all bark in some way, they're all loving, they all both bark. And so our image of this dog, from the back, it probably looks more like a picture of a dog. Up close, it really looks like a bunch of words. Um, so, I was thinking about Jesus and our story today. Um, 
in our story, Jesus is making his entry into the city of Jerusalem. And people are looking at him. And some people say, oh, he's David's son, the king. And others say, he's a prophet. And others go, why are we having this great anyway? Who is this guy? Right? And it made me think about the people and their view of Jesus. To some people, from a distance, they could see he was a person. They could see the image of Jesus. But the disciples who spent time with Jesus knew who he was. They knew the words that he used, the words that described him, the words that he uses to describe us, to describe heaven. And so, celebrate someone you don't know. A lot of these people were like, why are we having this parade? We don't know this guy. Yeah, we've heard a couple stories. Maybe we went to see him once. But we don't know who this guy really is. So, and some of us, it may be hard to celebrate Jesus because we've never seen him. And sometimes it's hard to celebrate someone you haven't seen. So, I have this picture. It's a little bit different. Tell me what this is. It says Jesus, right. On this side, it looks a little bit more clear for those of us who need to get up close. But Jesus is also made up of words. And the words here, we have children, God, work, deed, uh, beginning, include, presence, decision, all kinds of words that we when we spend time getting to know Jesus, he becomes clearer to us as we get to know him. And so from a distance, people may see the image, but up close, they get to know the person. And I think that's where hopefully we're all going, getting into that closer image of getting to know Jesus better and knowing the words, the stories, the actions that make Jesus Jesus, because there is only one Jesus. There are lots of dogs. Most of them fit the same category. They don't all look like this. But there is only one Jesus, and the closer we get to him, and the more we get to know him and read the stories from the Bible and pray, the closer we will be to being more like him. And we'll be better able to celebrate him, because not only will we be able to see the image, but we'll See. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you that you have given us your word. You've given us your example. You've given your life for us. Help us to get close to you so that we can see and understand who you truly are so that we can reflect that to others. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. celebrate you, that we can praise you, that we can celebrate you. Hosanna in the highest. We lift up your name and we ask that you will help us to 
Sunday in October. <laughs> We're probably going to have Easter in November. Um, and part of that is obviously because we've been going through the Gospel of Matthew and we're going to wrap it up and that's when it happens to wrap up. Um, also, I have kind of missed the last two Palm Sundays. Um, in 2020, we were all quarantining, so we had a service, but it was online. And then this year, I was sick and lying in the fetal position while you were all celebrating here. So um, I'm kind of trying to make up for lost time here, maybe. <laughs> also, there is a little method to my madness in having this kind of backwards church calendar year thing going on this year. And that is because we've been talking about the kingdom of the heavens, Jesus' kingdom, that he's trying to bring on earth as being the way of taking an upside-down world and turning it back right-side up. There's nothing wrong with the traditional liturgical church here. Nothing wrong with it. Um, but sometimes it helps us to connect with the stories that we've already heard a million times if we mix them around a little bit, do something different with them, come at them kind of differently. And so there's something kind of connected with, we had Easter, and then immediately we started talking about Christmas again, and now we're going to be talking about Easter again, and then it's going to be Christmas. Um, and there's something about that that I think is appropriate when we're talking about how our expectations for what life should look like, what the world should look like, even what our calendar should look like, and Jesus flipping it upside down, or right side up. That's what we're doing today. The last time we were all together, me and you, um, for Palm Sunday was in 2019. It was my first year here. And last week you did so well remembering what we talked about um, this whole year in this Matthew series that maybe you remember all the way back then to what we said Hosanna means. God save us, right? Deliver us. So, um, when Jesus rides into Jerusalem on this donkey, the people are shouting, Hosanna to the son of David, because they see Jesus as the prophesied descendant of King David, who is going to rule Israel, and from there rule the world. And Hosanna means deliver us, and it had, at that time, it had also turned into some kind of an expression of praise. We don't usually think about um, our requests and our praise to God as being the same thing. We don't think that asking from God is a way of praising Him, but it, it can be. In this sense, it is. So I'm going to open, invite you guys to open your Bibles again to Matthew 21, verses 1 to 17. And because this is a really familiar story, um, you guys, give me a summary of what happens here. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna, for the people online, I'm going to repeat what Marta said, or I'm going to correct you. Um, Jesus rides into Jerusalem, everybody throws all their, their stuff on the ground, Jesus 
rides across it, ends up at the temple, and makes everybody mad. Also, yes, they weren't too happy about what happens there. Right, Jesus goes into the temple and shakes up what's normally done and tells them that it's wrong. What else happens? That's true. Thanks. 
but there are also under other underdogs that we have encountered in this gospel in this story. There are the uneducated crowds. There are Galileans, which is Jesus is from Galilee, and all of his, most of his disciples were too, and they were kind of the country bumpkins. And there are people from the city of Jerusalem, people from the hood, and people living with physical disabilities, and the poor. All of these people are underdogs in the society, and they are the ones who are creating this fanfare, and they are the ones who are honoring this king. And as Laura pointed out, Jesus comes in not on some fancy animal, but on a donkey. There is um, some thought that there is a significance, a kingly significance to riding in on the donkey. Um, if you were riding, if you were a king and you were riding in on a war horse, some scholars say, that would indicate that you didn't, um, you had not yet taken over even already that area. You were coming in on a war horse because you had intentions of taking it over. But if you came in on a, if you were a king and came in on a donkey, some people say, that was an animal of peace, and it indicated that you were already in charge. And so Jesus could be saying, I am already the king. But either way, the donkey is still a very humble animal. It is a work animal, as Lorna says, and that is totally Jesus' style. Right? This whole time we've been talking about blessed are the poor, and blessed are those who mourn, and blessed are those who are hungry. And the other thing that um, this chapter really reminds me of is the passage that's not from Matthew that we started with, which I think is kind of the underlying Underlying passage, even though Matthew never quotes it at all, that fuels his whole all the imagery in this gospel. Psalm eight. We talked about that at the very beginning, and it says, "You have set to God, you have set your glory in the heavens through the praise of children and infants. You have established a stronghold." Actually, yes, Jesus um, You have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens. Stars which you have set in place, what is humankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. What we're seeing in this chapter is finally the real, we've been skirting these issues this whole time, and now kingdom and empire expectations are face to face right here. Interesting, well, interestingly, though, if you think about it, probably even the underdogs that we just listed, the uneducated crowds, the Galileans, the people living with disabilities, the poor, their expectations of Jesus were probably also empire expectations. Because it is really hard to expect something like what Jesus has been showing and telling this whole time have never actually known anything like it. You can't expect it if you haven't experienced it. It's really hard to know what it looks like. All the people have experienced of this right side up kingdom.
kingdom that Jesus is talking about is how Jesus himself lives. Nobody else is actually like that yet. So, as we saw last week. And so, these people who are still the underdog are still expecting, we're going to have a king, and he is going to be ruler of the king, but he's going to get our Roman oppressors off our backs. It's also, it's sort of like, you know what crowd dynamics are like, right? When you go to a Red Sox game, um, the Red Sox were pretty great time to not be underdogs, but for much of their history, they, they have been. And we go there and we identify with the team. That's our team. And so we're rooting for them. We want them to win. We really don't get anything out of that. We spend money. Maybe watch them lose. Um, but we are, we see ourselves, we're Red Sox Nation or whatever. Um, these people in this chapter are identifying themselves with their nation. And they see their nation as the underdog. They're not thinking about their own underdog status. They see the nation as the underdog, but they know that they're God's people and they're not supposed to be. And so they see Jesus as the way to make them politically top dog. No more of this underdog stuff. So now we're going to throw back a little bit to last week. Um, last week we looked at James and John and they wanted to be in Jesus' right and left hand. And Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. So we considered the question, we know what we're asking. What did the people think they were asking for deliverance from? Rome. Maybe just Rome. So the question is, were their expectations too high or too low? Okay, misunderstood. Their expectations were too high. their expectations were too low. They weren't actually asking for enough. But for what they, the, where they were operating at the time, their expectations were very high. Let's talk a little bit about the desire of our hearts. We are familiar with, there's a passage in um, Psalm 37 and maybe 34, where the psalmist says, delight yourself Actually, in the verses right after this passage today, Jesus says once again, he keeps saying this, it's kind of awkward, um, that if you, know, if you have faith and don't doubt, you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea and it will happen. Um, and I've been hearing a lot from different people in different contexts about desire. I think you can see that in this story, these people, this crowd of people, has a desire, and they really see Jesus as the fulfillment of this desire, and they're super excited about it. And so a couple weeks ago, somebody I know is not from here was talking about um, how could the 
tell if our desires are good or bad. If they are from God or if we just generated our desires ourselves. And then last week after the sermon, one of you was asking if in light of what we talked about in the sermon, it's wrong to want other things. to him, and by getting close to him, 
they ended up, as he put it, drinking his cup, the cup of death to self, really. In different ways, each brother laid down his life for Jesus and for the church. Um, David Berger pointed out last week that James, the older of the two brothers, was the first of the twelve apostles who was killed for his belief in Jesus. And John was the only one of the twelve who wasn't actually martyred, he lived to be into his 90s and died of old age, but he also um, suffered for the kingdom of God. But they both ended up with true influence, true kingdom authority in the kingdom. It was harder in some ways for them, but it was better than the world's kind of influence and authority that they thought they were after. And I think the same thing is happening with these people on Palm Sunday. They thought they wanted an earthly king to contend with the other earthly empires, empires like Rome. They had been subject to a whole bunch of other empires before Rome. They wanted an earthly king to get rid of all of those so they could be the ones who were ruling. Probably 99 to 100% of the people that were there on Palm Sunday, including the 12 apostles and the disciples, did not have a heavens was really about. But we have to say that on Palm Sunday, they were still delighting themselves in the Lord. Yeah. They maybe didn't, they didn't understand it, but they were delighting themselves in the Lord. They didn't get what they thought they were asking for. Did they get what they were asking for?
how do you imagine God wants to bring his loving, humble kingdom into the life, your life or the lives of the people that you care about? How do you hope God delivers you or your loved ones or this church or this town or this nation? If there is a sin that you would like to publicly confess, you may. This is also a prayer for deliverance. And I will close out our time of prayer and we will delight in the Lord by singing our Follow and imitate Jesus out here into our weeks. Let the people say of us too, blessed are the ones who come.